Hi loves, I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode where I am sharing my full story with you guys and with Rick who so kindly offered to interview me. I wanted to pop in and let you guys know that if you are interested in working more with the feminine energy, embodying and evoking the feminine, being more in your feminine, I'm sure you've heard so much talk around this and maybe you have wanted to explore it deeper. I am running a free training and a free challenge starting on Monday. That is this Monday, the 28th of September, which also happens to be my dad's birthday. Um, And it's on the seven Jungian divine feminine archetypes. So we're going to be exploring together the maiden, the mother, the wild woman, the lover, the wise woman, the huntress, and the queen. So we're going to be diving so deep. This is a totally free training. I suggest you invite some of your soul sisters and your girlfriends so they can take part in it as well. We have an incredible community, uh, Facebook community that is just like so alive and so engaged. Everyone is getting so excited for the challenge. So this is your last call to join us. Go to melwells.com slash archetypes or go to the link in the show notes and get involved. It's going to be such an incredible training and challenge. It's going to be such a great week. We've got prizes up for grabs as well. Uh, we've got a scholarship up for grabs for the Goddess Collective worth 777 USD. So come and join us. Come and take part in the fun. It's a great way to get to know yourself a little bit more have a deeper integration and understanding of the feminine and make some friends along the way. So enjoy the interview and hopefully I'll see you on the training. Hello, my dear. Hello. The roles have been reversed. (laughs) You are here being interviewed and I am the host. Rick is the new host of Life, Sex and and Magic. magic. Ooh. (laughs) People weren't expecting that. I'm so excited. So yeah, today's episode is being requested that, so you know, so many of your listeners, new listeners and old, may not know your journey, your story, where you've been, who you've become, who you're becoming. So today we wanted to basically share that story for, for anyone who hasn't heard or who wants to, you know, hear deeper because as much as I've been with you on this journey for the past four years, I kind of want to discover more and, you know, kind of delve even a little deeper than I already know. So, so I want to make this interesting <laughs> for me too, right? Okay. So, so yeah, that's the context of the episode. And yeah, we're going to go over your story. We're going to go over, yeah, like how you moved from yeah, being an actress in the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in all the magazines when that was a thing. And you completely transformed your life and now living this deeply meaningful, purpose-driven, soul-driven life. And I guess this might be a good place to jump off from. It's like, how did that, how did that come about? How did you go from that world? Like, what was that like? And then what was the impetus to, and the inspiration to, to change? Like, where were you? Take us back. Oh, yeah. Wow, that feels like another lifetime when I think back to that world. I mean, 
it was like I loved it, but I, I mean, I got into that world when I was super young. So spent my whole childhood and teenage years like wanting to be an actress, you know, like every day at school I was doing rehearsals. I was after school, I was going to dance classes. I was doing singing lessons. I was having acting classes. I was having like TV workshops. I was meeting agents. Like I was doing so much at such a young age to follow this dream. And I think it's really important to note that like I had a childhood where I felt really supported by my family to to do whatever I wanted to do and that was that I wanted to act and so um yeah because I had such a supportive childhood and I was doing so much I got into that industry super young so when a lot of my friends were going off to drama school or going to get degrees at university I already had a tv agent I was already auditioning like I'd already done like a bbc drama um, with Julie Walters, which was like mind blowing. And I was like doing commercials and stuff. So I was already like a working actor um, when I was like 17, 16, 17. So then when I got into Hollyoaks, which is a TV show that I was uh, on soap opera in the UK for any of my um, international listeners, um, that was like a full-time gig. That was like six days a week filming nonstop. The show goes out like every single day, Monday to Friday. Um, so it was really full time. So I was really like catapulted into that industry. Um, it was my first time living away from home. Um, I also had developed um, an eating disorder during my time at college. So I was kind of entering into this world with this like really, um, with this high ambition and like a real drive, but also with this, with this issue around food that I wasn't really sure how to fix. I just wanted to like, I just thought, you know, I, if I'm skinnier, I'll be a more successful actress. You know, I was, this was in like the size zero phase. You know, I'm sure everyone remembers it was horrific. And I was reading all these magazines and seeing all these actresses that were, you know, in my mind, super successful and in this size zero body. And that was like the thing. And especially because I've always been tall, like I'm 5'10". So I always felt like I need to shrink in order to be more beautiful, be more successful. I need to be smaller because I'm already really big. So I need to be smaller, right? And my agent at the time told me, he said something like, what, eight, what height are you? And I said, 5'10". And he was like, oof, see the perfect height for a TV actress is 5'4". And I was like, why would you say that to me? I can't change my height. So I started trying to change my weight. So I kind of went into this show with this issue that I didn't have any awareness around how to fix. But I just thought, the skinnier I am, the more successful I'll be. And that was really all I cared about. Um, but when I got into the show, it was really overwhelming for me, the pressure of like being on TV every night. I didn't really feel like I... I felt like the pressure was just too much for me. And basically my... Uh, eating disorder swung the other way, went into like bulimia, binge eating, gained a lot of weight super fast and basically was binging to deal with the pressures. You know, I would go out shopping in Liverpool and I would get like people come up to me in the shops and like want to take a picture with me and say things to me like, oh, you look so different on screen or like ask me questions about my life, but it felt really intrusive. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like I had, it didn't feel like I wanted that. Even though like I wanted to be in the show, I didn't enjoy those interactions. It didn't, it felt like there was something weird about it. Um, what do you think that is? Yeah, it was almost like I, it's almost like 
When I look back now, I think it's because I didn't feel like I was doing great work. So I felt like I was being recognized for just being famous or being like a face rather than like being recognized for like something good that I had done. You know, like it was always just like, oh, you're saying so from Hollywood. It's your saying so kind of a picture. It wasn't like, oh my God, like now when I get recognized, I love it because it's like, oh my God, your book changed my life. Or, oh my God, like I'm in your program and like, it's changed me in some way and that feels fucking amazing. Mm. But back then it was not that, it was just, oh, you're a face that I know, let me take a picture. And it felt weird and a bit intrusive and it made me really paranoid and I would have panic attacks and just had this real addiction with food going on. So like a lot of the cast members would go out and party a lot. Um, I was super, like my mum raised me to be really anti-drugs. So like I never got into like the real party party scene. Um, but food was my addiction, like food was my outlet. And I really feel like I spent more time on that show thinking about the way I looked and food and dieting and workouts uh, and trying to lose weight than I did about being an actress. So I've got to be honest, like when I joined that show, I did have a moment where I was like, this is what I've dreamed of my whole life. And I, for some reason, there was something that was missing. I don't know if it was because I was dreaming of doing Shakespeare and period dramas and the soap opera life is not the same as that. I don't know if it was because the eating disorder just like took over everything and stopped me from being able to enjoy anything um, or whether it was just my soul that was like, this is not really what you're meant to be doing here. Um, so yeah, so that was an interesting two years. And um, yeah, my producer called me up to her office one day and said, you know, I just want to check in that you're okay because we've noticed on screen that your weight is like really fluctuating a lot and um, it's becoming a bit of a problem because like the wardrobe don't really know what size you are. They don't know how to shop for you anymore because <laughs> you're like fluctuating so much. And you know, like with soap opera filming, it's like continuity is really important. So you can't just like change your hair one day or change your nails one day. You've got to like ask for permission because your shoot episodes completely out of order and then they've got to sync them all together. So for me, I was like going on strict fasts and cleanses and then the next thing I'd be binging. So my weight was up and down like a yo-yo and yeah, they picked up on it and kind of called me in and said, you need some help, what's going on? Which I just, just literally just, I was devastated about. It was like the first time that I really felt like someone in authority had kind of like called me out and I felt like, God, what do I do? Like, this is a real problem in my life. So at that point, obviously you, the, the you're feeling probably disconnected from your work. Yeah. At a, at a kind of spiritual, deeper soul level, yeah. emotionally. You know, you've got all of this, you know, all of these people coming to you asking for, the, asking for photos, kind of trying to interact with you, but you're not really feeling connected and embodied in that yeah. work. I didn't feel like I deserved it or earned it in any way. It just felt like, why? Why do you, it's so weird, <laughs> you know? It was, it was like I could have just been anyone, you know? Yeah. And do you, do, you think that's, do you think that's just like a, because that kind of feels like it mirrors a part of our culture. Like we put that idea of, you know, being famous, whether it be in a more modern culture like today, being, you know, popular on Instagram or, you know, still the idea of fame is so celebrated in Western culture. Mm. Do you think there's something within that that is devoid of the values which you've now found? Do you think that was a part of it? That you'd grown up in a culture that put this idea on a pedestal, but really it was routed in something that mm. was 
was empty. Maybe. I mean, I feel as though now, like, we are a lot, a lot less like that. I feel as though actually, like, with social media, I mean, maybe this is just the circles that I'm in, but I feel like the people that we aspire to and that we look up to, it's often because it's more about, like, who they are, or at least I hope that is, like, who they are and what they're about. And why, why does that person inspire you? You know, like, I wasn't getting people come up to me and be like, oh my God, you were an amazing actress in this scene. It was just like, oh my God, you're on this show. You know, so maybe if I'd, maybe if I felt like I was doing great work, it would have been different. But I feel as though with, you know, influencers and social media, because it gives you, it gives these people, uh, and that would be myself included, like a voice now. So it's not just like a face, it's like a face and a voice. So you can figure out, do I align with this person's values? Like, why do I like this person? Why do they inspire me? It's not just a face. What, what was it that you think you were valuing then? And then what do I think I was valuing? Yeah. And then when did that mm. shift? Honestly, I don't really know what I was valuing. I didn't really know who I was, you know? I had spent my whole life trying to be an actress and then I got it and I was in this addiction and I was confused. Um, you know, like I I was out partying a lot. I was like binge drinking a lot. I was going to Marbella all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> you just go there for like a weekend and it just becomes part of life. Um, but I was only like 18, 19. It was, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what, I didn't know what my values were, you know. <laughs> So what was the what was the point that everything kind of changed for you? Like what was the was there like a breaking point or a, a rock bottom where mm -hmm. you had this realization where you started, you know, going on on this new path which has led you to where you are today? What was Yeah. What happened there? Well there was quite a lot of moments. Like after I left the show, uh, you know, they my storyline was like that I got I had like um what was it? like mental health issues you know <laughs> funnily enough and then I think I got sectioned I got yeah my character got sectioned and I did all this crazy psychotic shit as well which was really fun but then it meant that I was leaving the show so after that I remember like still being in that circuit like still being in like the party celebrity kind of circuit going to going to events just to kind of be seen and like going getting invited to be on a yacht and party with these cool people or famous people and I remember like just being in those circles and just feeling like I feel like this just reeks of like desperation and emptiness and I would like speak to all these people and I just remember like feeling like oh my god like I've spent my whole life thinking that these people are the happiest people because they've got everything that I've been aiming for and they're not they're just normal people and they're struggling too and in a lot of ways having all this money and fame is actually really fucking hard for people because it gives, it puts them on this pet weird pedestal where they've got um, people looking up to them, but then they're actually miserable. Um, not all of them, obviously, some great people and some, some very happy people in that world. But, you know, I was feeling, I remember looking around and feeling like, my God, like, this is not it. Like, I would meet like super famous singers and rappers and be backstage at concerts and like be on, you know, fancy yachts with like these billionaires. I'd be having conversations and I'd literally feel like, oh my God, like, this is not it. Everyone's striving to be here and be on this, in this room. And it's, it's fucking not it at all. It's not literally like, 
that was huge for me. And I was super young to have that realization, like 19, 20, 21, like that was when I was starting to realize this. And um, yeah, what happened next was kind of like um, huge, huge, uh, huge change in my life. So my dad um, got diagnosed with cancer and got given four months to live. And it's crazy, it's so long ago, but it still upsets me. Like, I just, um, yeah, he was given four months to live. And um, that was just like a, you know, a reminder of what's really important. And um, I still had this, this eating disorder going on, but my dad, um, my dad had this diagnosis and my mom and my stepdad, my mom and dad had split up when I was super young, but my mom and stepdad moved my dad into their house so that he could have his last four months in their home, like around the family, instead of like going into a hospice. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was really inspiring. And um, so I was like there a lot, like kind of just like nursing my dad. And he started reading these books on cancer. And it was kind of like, he didn't really want to fight it. He just kind of accepted it. And I wanted to fight it. And so I started reading these books on cancer. And because I was already obsessed with food, I started reading books about food and cancer. And then I discovered this book called The China Study, which is all about nutrition and disease, basically. And I became like obsessed with learning about plant-based living, which was essentially, um, you know, tons of studies that basically show that the more plants you eat, the less animal stuff you eat, uh, the more, you know, the less likely you are to get all these different cancers. So I was trying to convey this to my dad and trying to say like, you know, why don't we, you know, get you having some juices or things like this? And he was just not up, not up for it, like wanted to just enjoy his last few months really. So after he died, I just basically became hellbent on like learning about food, learning about health properly. And then, yeah, like starting to get the message out to other people. Cause I had this eating disorder, but I didn't care about health. Like I was drinking Diet Cokes. I was eating Percy pigs, like eating Haribo. Like I didn't, I didn't know squat about health. I didn't know. Like my mom raised me healthy, but I just saw that as like boring. I would never order a salad because I was like, oh my God, boring, you know, but I would like starve myself by having like diet Coke, diet soda, coffee and sweets, <laughs> you know, it was, it was this warped mindset that I had. So yeah, I just became super obsessed with veganism and plant-based living and decided to train to become a health coach to start sharing the word about that. So that was like when I started this business, which started out as just like a food blog sharing vegan recipes, which were, I th you know, some people said they were right, I, they're okay. But <laughs> you know, it was just a passion. I just, it was really, I felt like if I'd have known all this stuff about food, then I, if I'd have known that earlier, maybe it could have, you know, changed things with my dad. So I wanted to do this like in his legacy. It's beautiful. So it was, it was born out of, born out of the passion and love for, for your dad. And obviously that led you to learning about food, but I'm curious at that time, did you have, um, was that helping with your eating disorder or was there more going on there? Was that mm. fueling the eating disorder or was that bringing light to 
Yeah, so a bit of both because like I'd stopped, I managed to stop binging on sweets and Diet Coke. Um, but instead I kind of swapped that and started doing a lot of juice cleanses and would binge on things like packets of medjool dates and nuts. So I kind of changed the food, but my relationship with food was still the same. So my relationship with my body was still really negative. My relationship with food was still negative. I still, I had all these like vegan meals, which was great. And I felt good on them, but I still didn't love myself. I still was like binging and starving and yo-yoing. And I kind of realized, wow, I haven't actually healed this eating disorder from learning all about vegan food. Like what I've actually done is just changed it for a new kind of eating disorder like an orthorexia type of eating disorder, which is like obsession about health. Like I would read every single label, like I had nothing, nothing that was ever processed. Eating out gave me so much anxiety, literally. Like if I ate out once a week, I would literally like want to stay in for like a week to detox afterwards. It was, it was crazy, um, so unhealthy. And um, the moment that I realized that I wanted to change that was when I realized how important it was for me to be a mom one day. And I remember like having this moment of like looking at my body in the mirror and imagining like getting pregnant. As you know, this was like with an ex-partner and we were talking about it and being, it was like a serious conversation that we were having about like, maybe it's time for us to start trying for a baby, which now is crazy for me. Cause I was like 23 or 24, something like that. But I was, I felt so ready, you know, <laughs> I really wanted to be a mom. And um, I looked at my body and just like imagined my body being pregnant and like growing a baby inside my body. And I was just like, what the fuck are you thinking, Mel? Like you can't have a baby grow inside you and be abusing your body at the same time and being on these crazy diets. Like something inside me, like this, this instinct just kicked in and it was like, this is wrong. This is wrong. I can't raise a baby in this body doing that to my body. So I need to figure that shit out before I even contemplate the idea of motherhood because I was like if I have a child like first of all I was so worried about like oh my god if I'm pregnant I'm going to gain all this weight how am I going to lose it which shouldn't be the first thought that enters your mind if you're healthy and then the next thought was like oh my god I'm going to pass this awful relationship with food and my body down onto you know a daughter or a son and that was just like I just couldn't I just couldn't handle that thought so I went on this journey of healing my relationship with food, learning to love myself. And basically at the start, that just looked like throwing away my scales, getting rid of the, you know, fat burners and laxatives and just like bullshit that I was taking. Um, and just let my body, I literally was just like, I'm just gonna eat whatever I want and just let my body find where it wants to be. And if that's a stone heavier, I'm just gonna get over it and I'm gonna live with it because I care way more about being healthy so that I can raise a family and passing down um, a good relationship with food and my body to my kids than I do about me fitting into a size eight jeans, whatever. Yeah, that's amazing. So it was like almost like your body, your body's knowledge and wisdom just spoke so deeply to you yeah. that it was like, I've got to change this because you didn't want to pass that down, which is yeah, which is beautiful. Um, it felt like it was God speaking to me. Right. I was not on a spiritual journey at that point, but that was like the first time where I literally felt like I heard a voice. <laughs> Something happened and it shook me. Right. So what what happened from then? So how did how did that then take you on to 
doing deeper work, whether it be in a therapy or inner work, or how did how did that piece come in? Is that something that came on later down the road? Yeah, well, healing your relationship with food is a spiritual journey, and it really opens the door to deeper meaning and more purpose because when you heal your relationship with food what you're really doing is healing the relationship you have with yourself so you've really when you do that you're in surrender so it's letting go of control around food and surrender so when you let go of control around food and you actually be willing to listen to your body being willing to surrender that put me into this state of surrender in my life and okay if i release control what happens if I just listen for guidance instead of trying to manipulate and control everything, what happens? So when I was going on that journey, it was a self-love journey, which was a very spiritual journey, a very deep, meaningful journey that really gave me this sense of self-worth and inner confidence and inner self-love that I hadn't had before. I'm curious as you're sharing this, I'm curious like what the... Why do you think the body, why do you think eating disorders manifest, whether it be in men or in women? I know it shows in different ways. What do you think that response is to? How do you think? Because obviously all responses, the idea is that all responses are valid and they're all here to, to ultimately help us survive through something. What do you think was going on there? Like how 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 was your body trying to protect you? Like what was the what was the greatness inside of that? Yeah, I mean, it was a way, I think, for me to find control in my life. Like, it was me clutching to control. It was me having something that felt secretive and just like mine. You know, it's a coping mechanism. It can be a response to trauma. So, um, yeah, I feel like it, it definitely, you know, it helped me in a way in that, it, you know, it showed me you know, it led me, to, I think maybe if I hadn't had that eating disorder, maybe I wouldn't have hooked, like latched on to the health coaching side of things so much. So like being so obsessed with food and having that as an outlet led me to then really caring about health coaching and really being passionate about then going on to do work to help other women heal their relationship with food. So, yeah. I'd love to go a little deeper if you're open into like what what was being controlled there? Like, why was that? Why did you need to feel a sense of control? Would you be willing to share in terms of what was going on there? Like, why yeah. Why did you feel like you needed that? Obviously, you were super. I know how, like, much of a high achiever you were as a child. And, you know, you had all of this pressure with the TV show. Like, what was actually going on? Because I didn't get anyone listening who's maybe struggled with eating disorder. Maybe it's, maybe they're through it and it's, it's more subtle now. It would be really interesting to know more on a, on a more nuanced level, like what was actually, what's actually under that? Like what was, what was going yeah. on? I think because I was just doing so many things, I didn't have any time in my childhood really for play or for rest. And so at the time I didn't care about that because I was just like an achiever, you know, I was just like going for my dreams. But in hindsight, I think I can look back and see that when I first started controlling my food and throwing lunch boxes away and things like that, it was a way for me to regain control over my life because you know I guess on some level I felt like it wasn't me like I don't know like maybe that I didn't have any time that was just for me and so I remember like when I first started you know I've got a really like a memory of being around 14 and like eating a bag of sweets 
and then throwing away the lunch that my mum had made me. And it was like this inner act of like rebellion of like, I don't have to go along with all these things that are laid out for my life. I can have something that's just for me. Even though like my mum never, I never felt like she pressured me into doing any of the things that I wanted to do. I felt like it all came from me. When I look back, I can see that there was an inner child in me that wanted to like reclaim some control in this like crazy frantic schedule that just never stopped. I think that's it's fascinating how like when we it's the idea of the shadow, isn't it? It's like what Jung talked about the shadow. It's like if we suppress something, it's like our soul can't take not finding a way back to to center or like to our higher self. So you know whether it be it shows up as addictions or whether it shows up as you know an eating disorder or however that manifests. It's like if that deeper part of ourselves, whether it be our inner child or the all of the multiple parts of who and what we are if they're repressed and they don't get the space, it's just fascinating to me how that then manifests itself as these different responses in order to get us back to wholeness. And is that, that's what it seems like has happened for you. It's like this disorder, quote unquote, or this response to this overwhelming childhood and this, you know, the huge amounts of, you know, responsibility and ambition and this you know, there's beauty in that too, but it seems like this response then led you down a darker path, which then eventually led you to finding this meaningful work and writing, you know, books that have, you know, helped, you know, thousands and thousands of women all across the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been, we've been at most places where we go out for dinner, we'll meet some, you know, we meet people who, who your work and your words have, have helped just by you sharing your journey, which is, beautiful and you know just just to witness you in that and getting to see you be celebrated for that is amazing as a partner so yeah what, what happened next so you've like this eating yeah. disorder then became the catalyst for yeah this transformation you know your father passing then further pushing you onto onto this path yeah What's then unfolding? How are, you, yeah. how are you feeling at this time? So this is like 2013, 2014, and I'm starting to share online my real journey. So I had been online being a food blogger, and this was like, you know, this was like years ago. Um, you know, it was, blogging was like a really new thing, and no one was really, there wasn't like, a, people weren't doing like the influencer thing. So I just started sharing online, like my journey with food. And I just started being really real about our relationship with food. And I talked about our mindset around food and why like we do weird shit with food. Because <laughs> the more that I spoke about this stuff online, the more women would reach out to me and be like, oh my God, no one's speaking about this. Like, thank you so much for talking about this. I've got an eating disorder and this is really helpful to me. So I basically started giving free advice online to people going through eating disorders on their healing journey. So I was getting rid of the rules. I was throwing away my scales. I was just intuitive eating, trying to figure out how I could create a healthy lifestyle without restriction. And I was just sharing what I was learning. I was sharing tools to help me get, to help me stop binging. I was sharing tools to help me, um, you know, talk, talk to myself in a loving way, tools to help me love my body more. And people were just responding in such a huge way. And so the health, the health coaching certification that I got that I was intending to, you know, help people live more plant-based, I just decided, well, I'm going to coach women and help them heal their relationships with food. And it lit such a fire up my ass 
that I literally just didn't stop. I just like went to, I just fucking went for it. And I created an amazing program. I was getting like amazing results for my clients. Um, and that, that led to me getting a book deal with Hay House um, and then a second book. And I was just like, I just felt so lit up by this work. It meant so much to me. It does mean so much to me still. And just like, that was like the first time where I really felt like, wow, like I'm getting to help people by just me sharing my story and sharing my experiences and sharing what I know and what I've figured out. Like I've just figured some really interesting things out that have helped me. And I'm now just sharing those. And there's all these women from around the world that are just like reaching out and like it's changing their lives. And I was just like this, I, I can do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, like there is nothing better than this. And so, um, <laughs> getting emotional. So, um, yeah, I started putting on retreats, um, just started growing this business really. And it was just from this. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm just feeling just a lot of love and a lot of gratitude. And um, it just really means a lot to me. It just means so much to, to be able to help people if they're in the same place where I was at, because it was such a dark place. I really felt like I would just live with this illness, this addiction for the rest of my life. So, you know, to get to help others find a way out of that was just magic, really magic. So yeah, I just, I just went for it, you know, like I was still doing bits and pieces of them. Um, uh, modeling and different kinds of work when I was when I started my business but as soon as I could as soon as I could survive by myself just in the business I was doing it and I was just like right let's let's do this let's help as many people as we possibly can let's let's reach all the women that are going through this and I remember like feeling so happy when my book my first book really got into the um, diet culture land because so I was like those are the women that really need to know this stuff, like the women at the slimming clubs, you know, I'm not gonna name any names, but like, I know that my book went into those communities a lot. And that was like, yes, like those are the people that really need to hear this stuff. So that made me super happy. And then that then, I just wanna acknowledge, just before I move on, I just wanna acknowledge you for, for going on that journey and for, overcoming those obstacles and, and sharing whatever you were going through with other people. And I just think there's something that I find that is deeply admirable about that. I think it's courageous mm -hmm. and I'm sure everyone listening is either being touched by, by your work and your words in the past or they're just starting to, to experience and see your beauty. And, now you're beginning to share new things. So the food mm -hmm. thing is, is your like your origin story. Yeah. And you went on a full hero's journey, full hero's circle. You got the gold, mm -hmm. you know, you reclaimed it, you shared it with others. Yeah. And then now you've come full circle and you're now sharing a new message. Yeah. You're sharing about love, you're sharing about relationships, you're sharing about sexuality, sensuality. Yeah. Where has where has this stemmed from on your journey? And mm. yeah, that's it. Love to hear. I'm sure people would love to yeah. hear how that came about and where your passion comes from that. Yeah. So there's a couple of different pieces to it. The first thing is like 
from all the years that I've been working with women on their relationship with food and their bodies, sex always comes up. Like there's either sexual trauma, there's wounding around sexuality, or um, they just don't feel empowered in their sexuality because of the hatred that they have for their bodies. So I've this whole, this whole time that I've been coaching and working with women on food and their bodies, we've had like sex has been in the conversation. You know, it just always has been there. And I feel grateful that my mum and dad were pretty sex positive. So I feel super comfortable talking about sex topics that maybe a lot of people are scared to talk about. So I'm happy to go there. And I have been happy to go there with these women that I've worked with for a long time. Yeah. And then another piece of the journey for me is that just the journey that I've been on in my romantic life, my love life, my relationships is just... I feel as though I have done a lot of work in that area and obviously since I met you and before I met you I was doing a lot of work in that area um, as you know I was like really healing a lot of patterns and when you came into my life like I felt like we started doing a lot more of the work together so I've started sharing more of the relationship side of things with people which has been really cool and the sex just kind of goes along with that you know so I feel as though women are, you know, collectively really disempowered in their sexuality and tapping into that is just like this, this well of untapped resource and power that, that women are not really getting to experience. I feel as though a lot of women are afraid of their sexuality or ashamed of it and have been led to believe that it's like this like awful thing that needs to be kept in a box or this this thing that's just like says something about you that's not good and you know obviously there's a lot of us that have like wounding and trauma around our sex uh, around our sexuality from the past as well so I've been retraining to become certified as a sex love relationship coach so that I can really really dive deep with clients and help them work on shifting these these traumas and these wounding and these these patterns around um, intimacy and sexuality. So it's just another thing as well is that when I was like really like growing my business and like going for it, I was hustling a lot and I was like, I've always been super ambitious and really driven and competitive. So like I've really identified with like some super masculine values and I realized that that was like really leading me to burnout in my business. Like a lot of the time it was not sustainable. We would argue because I was just like, I was just like, I just could, I couldn't, I couldn't rest. I couldn't let go. And so for me, like a journey that I've been on in the last couple of years has been about actually learning to surrender and really reclaiming my feminine energy and the magic that's there. Cause you know, I used to see like feminine as weak, less than, which is all like a cultural thing. That's what we've been taught. Even though I am a woman, I have been taught unconsciously that feminine is less than masculine, you know, like going to church and not seeing any feminine figures, you know, having the Holy Father and Almighty Father and no Almighty Mother, you know, having Jesus and 12 disciples who are all men, you know, where are, where are the women? Where are the strong women um, in our culture to aspire to? It's, you know, we've got women that are in, disempowered in their sexuality, disempowered in their bodies and disempowered to like really show up in, in their life and who they really want to be in the world because they think, well, I'll never be able to do it as good as the guys can do it or how am I going to, you know, how am I going to get 
the opportunities that men can get. So yeah, it's been this real journey for me of like really integrating more of my feminine alongside my healthy masculine, um, which I feel is a real part of the work that I'm now doing with women around their sexuality. Like a lot of this work is about being able to reclaim and heal the wounds with the feminine that can be either a cultural thing, a collective thing that we've picked up on, or it can be like like the mother wound, like wounding from our own relationship with our mother growing up. So there's a lot, there's a lot here and I'm just, I feel like I'm just on the surface of it right now, but this is this is work that I'm now diving into with clients and it's just so rewarding. I love it. I've seen that transformation. There's a few amazing points just in that last segment you shared, but I've witnessed that transformation of you from, you know, the beginning of our relationship three and a half, four years ago, just how, you know, driven business focused you were and who some of your mentors were at the time. Mm -hmm. And then how that's changed over time to, you know, I see who your mentors are now and, I, and, I, and I've witnessed this, albeit slow for me, transformation, but really in the last four years, you've really transformed how you work, you've transformed your energy and, and how you're showing up in the world and, you know, you're creating more than ever, ironically. Yeah. Um, but doing it in a way with just, with what to me seems like grace. Mm, thank you, babe. I think it just feels more like more like alignment and flow mm. and less like stress. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I still can get stressed out, but it's a lot less frequent. Yeah. And just diving back into the, the point that you made about the church in Western civilization, mm -hmm. I think that is a huge point, even just as a as a man, and I don't know we've had these conversations, but just as a man, I think the fact that arch you know, the archetypes of Western civilization are mostly male figures mm. isn't just damaging for women of which it is massive but it's just the idea that there is you know that the, the main the key archetype in our culture is masculine is damaging to the to the men it's been damaging to to me you know it's like there's there's so much that the feminine brings like the feminine if, if the masculine is the container then you know the feminine is the water for the, the container to in itself exist. So it's yeah. almost like the feminine brings brings us life, literally brings mm. us life. Yeah. But it brings us life in our day-to-day -day life, you know, even as a man, being more in touch with my feminine, it allows me to be, it allows me to see the beauty, taste the beauty, feel the beauty. Mm. Whereas when that's removed, which it was for me in my past, I would just be in do-do-do mode, you know? Yeah. And I'd be missing the reason to do. Mm. Yeah, I remember like, I actually just did a post recently on this where I put all of my worth on doing. And it was just like, what have I done that's good? What do I do that's worthy? And I forgot about being, like I forgot about, well, who am I as a person? Like, I, you know, I put all my worth around achievements and being the best and, you know, building and creating and like doing all these things. and you know, I wasn't paying as much attention to things like friendships and family and love and connection. You know, I was really prioritizing work above everything else. And I remember actually like having a breakthrough moment with you. I don't know if you would ever even remember this, babe, but we were living in Bali in our place in Uluwatu. 
and we were doing this, we were doing the launch, we were doing launch mm. and I was doing launch of the academy. And um, I can't even, I can't remember, but I can't remember what we were fighting about, but we were having an argument and it was something to do with work. And I said, can't, I can't even remember how it came about, but you said, you're not, your whole worth revolves around your work. Like you're not just your work. And when you said that, I was like, yeah, I am. Because I felt like, well, without that, who am I? I don't know. And that was like pivotal for me. It was huge. Cause that was when I realized, oh my God, I've been pouring so much into this business that I don't know who I am without it now, you know? So I've really been focused on getting to know who I am outside of the work that I do and caring and like focusing more on how I'm showing up as a person outside of the business, you know? Cause I think I put more energy into how I was showing up for clients than how I was showing up for like friends, I guess, or just myself, to be honest. Just a caveat that I've always seen you show up in beautiful ways with your friends and your family. So. Oh, I mean, yeah, like I, I wouldn't say that I was ever a bad friend or a bad daughter or anything like that. I just was so focused on work that it, it always was secondary. Yeah. Work always came first for me. Yeah. So I've been switching that and making a lot more time for play. Like in the last few years, I've played so much. We've done so many, we've been on so many adventures. I've learned so many new skills that have nothing to do with work. You know, like I've learned to skydive i've learned to paint i've learned to dance again i've learned to free dive what else have i done learned to snowboard like just like let myself do things that have no roi you know (laughs) um so that's been amazing and you've been a big part of that babe thank you babe it's been beautiful to be a part of it and witness that in you too it's still unfolding yeah it's still unfolding so where we are today. So you're now doing this work with others. Um, I'd like to move on to, so you're now doing this, so you, you now have this new practice, you've got this new love and passion that I see you lit up by on a daily basis. You know, you share with me, not personal details, but you share with me just how lit up you are with the work you're doing with your calls. And you've also got a new book that you're writing. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about that. No, can you, it's too uh, soon. I know it's too soon, but I just I wanted to know. <laughs> I knew I knew there would be ever I knew there would be some resistance talking <laughs> it's about just this. Too early. But I wondered if we could have a little a few little clues to mm. what the book might be about or what. Mm. Can we go there? It's about a woman's journey of integration and wholeness and reclaiming and healing the masculine and feminine energies within her. And when's it due? That's a great question, Rick. We don't know. Like, it might be 2021, but we're in talks about it being 2022 now. So I'm really in surrender with this book. It's been like brewing for like three years. So I don't want to rush it or force it. It's it's marinating still, it's being written slowly as I'm growing into it. So it's, yeah, I think, you know, me a few years ago would have been like, push this book out as fast as possible and then move on to the next book, you know? But I don't wanna do that. I really wanna give it what it deserves and do this topic the justice that it needs. So 
it's still I'm still pregnant with it, you know, mm. it's it's a while off. It's being cooked, mm. you know. It's in the oven. It's in the oven, exactly. I've seen this as well, and and I think this to anyone listening shows is a is a beautiful metaphor example of the transformation. So we 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 say that we've transformed, but I think we see transformation in how we act differently. And I think that really demonstrates so well just how differently you approach life in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So previously, I'd witnessed you write a book, I think, in maybe four months. Yeah. Like your second book. You just worked just flat out yeah. four months. Got maybe a book less to write. than that. Maybe it was yeah. like two months. Maybe I think I procrastinated for the first two months. All right. <laughs> I've seen you write in two months, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to fully reveal that. But we're going there. We're going there. So yeah, you wrote that in a couple of months when we were in Bali, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously it was a great book. It's helped so many people, but I've seen how differently you've, not only just how differently you write in this book. And it's not like when you say that you're just like surrendering, I don't want anyone to think that she's not writing her book and she's not focused (laughs) on it because I see the pile of books to my left-hand side, which are all the research material. And I see you sitting down to work on it most days, mm-hmm. whether it's research or writing that you're doing. Yeah. So what, can you speak a little bit about that? Cause you talk about surrender and I think that can be so easily, so easily mm. misconstrued, misconstrued as not doing the work, mm. but you are doing the work, but you're yeah. just doing it in a very different way. Yeah. I'm not pushing the work. So I'm, it's a balance between letting things unfold, letting things align and taking action. Like I don't just take random action anymore in roughly the direction of where I'm going or just like messy. Like when I was starting my business, I think when everyone starts their business, it's important to take messy action. Just get yourself doing things, you know, get yourself out there, get yourself helping people. It will be messy, just do it. But for me now, like I'm in a stage where I am grateful to have worked so hard in my business that now I can afford to take more time over things. I can afford to kind of, um, you know, let things align and take aligned action rather than just taking action. So there's real beauty in sitting back and just listening and just going, like what is the universe like providing with me with right now? Like what are the opportunities here right now? Like what feels expansive? And I'm still a huge action taker, you know, like there is no way that I am sitting around doing nothing. Like I take action. I have a fire inside me that just keeps going. I feel that when you are living your purpose, there's no rush to get somewhere because things are just flowing through you. You become this kind of conduit for a message or for some awful work. And half, especially when you are running a business that is essentially about you as a person and what you've learned, it's just as important. If not, I would say it's more important for you to show up for yourself and your soul than it is for you to be go, go, go in business. Because if you are go, go, go in business and you're investing in business coaches and marketing courses and things like that, but you're not doing any soul work, Mm. your business is going to hit a wall. You know, you've got to be continually working on yourself and doing the inner work so that you can show up in in your outer work. Mm. 
Absolutely. So it's like we're always creating from wherever we are, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying. It's like wherever you are, the world is. And, you know, your external reality or your friendships, your community, your connection, your environment is all coming from in the internal source. Mm -hmm. So is, is what you're saying that as we, as we change that internal source, as we build a deeper relationship with deeper parts of ourselves, as we heal those wounds, as we go back to heal our inner child and to look at the shadows, are you saying as we heal that and integrate that in, that that then changes how you do business itself? Of course. Not just changes how you do business, but changes like the depth of your work. You know, like you're going to be able to really help people on a much deeper level if you're going to those depths yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted to give myself a few years to write this book because I was like, I have to do a lot of work on myself. Like I've got to do some healing work before I can finish this book and feel an integrity handing it in. So. I know what the book's about. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but yeah, I've, 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 I, you know, since I started becoming intuitive with food, yeah. it's really connected me to my intuition. So my intuition is super strong. I have a really good relationship with my intuition now. And I, as I know. you know, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but as you know, like, you know, we both are super connected to our intuition and we, we follow those intuitive urges and those intuitive knowings and those pulls, we listen all the time. So, you know, I'll say to you, like, I've got a feeling that this is happening and then sure enough, it'll happen. Or I've just got a sense that the energy with this person or this thing is going to work out in this way. And then it does. Right. So I've gotten used to trusting my body. Your intuition's great. Thanks, babe. Too good. Ah. I can't get away with shit. So, yeah, I think because of that, I take a lot of my action based on intuition and to other people that might might look like a risk. For example, flying to the other side of the world in the in middle of a pandemic. pandemic. We were both just like, we know that we've got to do this. And we did. And it's been the best decision ever. Now everyone's coming to them. Now everyone's <laughs> flying out here as well. But, um, yeah, we're going to be heading to Costa Rica soon, though. Yeah. Another week. Yeah. And this is released. Yeah. So that brings us to today. So we're caught up pretty much to today. I'm curious of speaking of, as you're speaking about the pandemic, what is, what is your view of where the world currently is? How you, how you see it from your personal perspective? And then we'll link that into like what you see for the world. Like what is it that you're creating, we're creating, mm. but let's start on the world that you see as in like what's the what is the problem that you currently see and, and why are we moving out to south america why have we left london why are we why are we on this adventure yeah well i think the world that we have been living in is a world where most people are disconnected from their soul most people are engaging in things that are coping mechanisms and not healthy for their soul they're not nourishing themselves they're not really paying attention to that whisper, that intuition. And a lot of people are living lives that feel meaningless or that feel hopeless or that feel empty. And, you know, what I see happening right now with this pandemic is 
it's really made everyone re-examine their lives and question everything about the life that they've created. Do I really want to keep climbing my way up this corporate ladder for a boss that actually I don't even want their life? You know, do I really want to live in this city where I look around and I'm like, this is fucking dull. This doesn't inspire me at all. You know, this is where dreams come to die. Why am I not somewhere that I want to be? Why, like, I want people to really realize that they are creating their lives. They're creating their own reality and like allow themselves to really dream and let themselves envision what their lives could be. Like, this is the only time that we get to live this life as who we are. This is the only time I'm going to get to be Melissa. Only time you're going to get to be Rick. Like, people, like, why, like, do you know what I mean? Like, why are people not, like, really just, like, going for their dreams and, like, creating the life that they want? Like, if you can imagine a better life than the one you're in right now and you're not doing anything to change it, something is the matter. And so, really, like, I want to help wake people up to that. Like, you know, if the pandemic hasn't made you re-examine your life and start to reevaluate where things need to change, what will? You know, what else is it going to take? So what, you know, I really feel like, you know, on a kind of political level, this global crisis I mean, obviously, we've been down like all the conspiracy rabbit holes and seen like a, so many, so much stuff. And you know, I've come to a point where I'm like, kind of like not wanting to keep reading all that stuff. I'm just like, I have taken from this what I needed to take from it, which is, I don't feel that we could trust our leaders. I don't feel that they have our best interests at heart. I think it's time for us to lead ourselves. That's honestly how I feel. What the theme of 2020 is about. So. Absolutely. I feel that we are leading ourselves to a better life. We are leading ourselves to a life where we're going to be living in nature, completely in nature, like we're going to be living in the jungle. Um, a place where we can feel connected to the land, connected to the land that we're actually living on, working with plants, you know, eating food that we can actually grow ourselves. Um, you know, Costa Rica is going to be the first plastic-free country, you know. I want to live somewhere that's that really cares about the rest of the planet and be around people who care about the planet and who care about like living their purpose and, and living a life with meaning. So, you know, what I feel we're doing right now is we're being the change that we want to see. You know, I had an intuitive hit in 2019. At the end of the year, I was like, shit's kicking off in 2020. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a war or something, but it feels like something big is coming and we need to be the change that we want to see. So I really feel like right now we are doing that. We are, you know, right now we're in Mexico because we've not been able to get into Costa Rica because the borders have been closed. But I feel like we're moving towards the life that we've always wanted, that we want for our future, that we want for our family. Um, and, you know, living a life with meaning, helping people, being in tune with nature, being in tune with um, spirit. And um, that's the life that I want. I know it's the life that, that you want and... Yeah, I, I feel that that will inspire many people to do the same. I have messages every day, like, how do I how do I do this? How do I change my life? How do I quit my job? How do I work online? How do I get to travel? And, you know, hatch a plan, create a master plan, create a vision. What is it that you really want? Where do you want to be? What work do you want to be doing? Who do you want to be with? Like, this is all possible for you. People don't allow themselves to dream. That's the first thing. Just allow yourself to like completely dream up yeah. your perfect ideal life for the rest of your life and then turn it into a plan.
And that, that's it. That's literally it. That's what I did. That's what you did. That's what we're doing. Everyone has the ability to do that. Absolutely. But I think, yeah, I think there are some challenges in the way that we've been taught. And we have to acknowledge that the way that we were taught was, was to recite information, not to solve problems. We were taught to sit in class, be obedient, listen to the authority figure and, you know, go outside when we ring the bell. And I think a part of the awakening is recognizing that that's how we were trained. Mm. You know, it's like Pavlov's dogs, you know, it's like you ring the bell, the dog goes outside. And we've, we were trained like that. So I think it's good to recognize like, oh, right. Yeah. That is how I was trained at school. That's how I was educated. Mm. But who am I now? You know, like how old am I now? Yeah. Like you might be 25, 35, 45. How okay. has that school, how has that education helped you so far? Yeah. How has that education helped you so far? You know, what is your intuitive hit about the authority figures? Do you think they actually have your best interests and welfare at heart? I'm not saying they don't have any of your welfare mm-hmm. and interests at heart, but does it really feel that you're yeah. being supported by that? Will they have the system at heart? The yeah. system's interest? Yeah, the system's interest. But it's, it's not your personal interest. And I think so many of us feel so disconnected from our communities because, again, technology rose within our rose to the, the heights which it has within our lifetime. And, you know, you walk down a community, you, you walk down a cul-de-sac today or you walk down a street today, you don't see neighbours, you know, sharing sugar and milk. And, you know, most people you don't, don't see kids playing out in the street see, anymore. Kid, yeah, you don't see kids playing yeah. out in the street, playing out in the park, which is... I, I just managed to live that life being yeah. you know, 32. So I just got a bit of that, but I also got the tech. And I'm sure you, it's the same for you and many mm-hmm. people who are listening, but you know, we're not connected to our communities. So yeah. there's also not, not only is the system we're not feeling supported by, we're not feeling supported by our community and the people around us yeah. a lot of the time. People feel lonely, lonely yeah, than ever. Loneliness is one of the biggest, biggest, biggest problems. Yeah. So I think it is now it's time to, to galvanize yourself. Maybe you see yourself living with a community in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe you see yourself, you know, being a part of it and, and, and serving others in a way, which is in a sense, community in and of itself. Yeah. And then working towards that vision, like what does that feel like, you know, and then starting to create from that. Mm. And that's what we, that's what we're doing the whole, the whole way and i think me and you we've not that we don't have vision boards anymore but i think we've been moving more and more towards like how do we how do we want to how do we want it to feel less about how it looks mm-hmm. more about the the experience of mm-hmm. our life you know yeah. as friends in relationship in community yeah and then building from building from what comes through from that so it's, it's less about I'm going to create this vision. Yeah. It's more about which vision wants to come through me. And I think that's that's where we're yeah. currently stepping into. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that a lot of people are deciding right now to change their lives. Had a lot of messages from families that have moved, that have gone on the road or that have moved to a different country or that have, you know, are planning to emigrate or you know, I think it's a it's been a huge year of awakening and we're not even finished. We've got the rest of the year to go and I feel like there's going to be more unfoldings and more more things happen that are going to shock us but it's you know if this isn't the year that makes you realize like is this the life that I want am I happy if not change it yeah yeah I think that's the, that is that is the message of this year and I think 
so many people are waking up to new possibilities for themselves. And I hope that they can just connect with more people who are doing that same thing and, and encourage each other. That's all, you know, encourage, encourage each other to create those visions of a, of mm -hmm. a better world. I think that's, that's a part of it too. Mm -hmm. So I get to ask the last three questions now. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. And just before I, before I do that, if anyone is, you know, if anyone is on this, journey like we are in the trying to create a new vision like you know drop into you know mel's inbox and say vision or drop into you know drop in and say that you know drop in and let us know that you're creating that vision and, yeah and so we can see who's who's in process of that you know and we can support each other and encourage encourage each other as we as we walk this path so I get to ask the next three questions. So. <laughs> I haven't planned this. I mean, no. You should have some answers by now. You've asked it now. That's true. <laughs> I've changed one of the questions, though. Slightly. Ooh. So, what are you loving right now? Okay, so right now I'm loving my new morning practice, which at the moment is pissing you off a little bit. Yes. <laughs> So <laughs> we should do another episode where we talk more about relationship stuff, I think. Yeah. We just did our stories, but we should do that another time. Yeah. But um, so I've just started this new morning practice mm -hmm. <laughs> where I'm waking up just before six mm -hmm. and I'm going out onto our balcony, which just like overlooks the jungle. And I'm seeing... Decorating. This... You're decorating. Decorating. Changing furniture. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this morning I like moved the... Sun lounger, so it was facing the sunrise and it woke Rick up. So he's a grumpy bear right now. I'm a grumpy bear in the morning. He's a grumpy bear in the mornings. So I, I'm an early riser. Rick sleeps in a bit later, but he tends to want to stay up later. So anyway, this yeah, so my new morning practice is I wake up at six, watch the sunrise. This is early days, by the way, guys. This has only been going less than a week, but I'm really, I'm feeling good about it. I'm really loving it and wanting to stick to it. So watching the sunrise which is amazing i'm not on my phone i am first of all doing um yoni egg practice which you guys will maybe have heard me speak about on different podcast episodes with different um sex experts or sex experts so yoni egg practice then i'll do like a self-pleasure practice so i might have like an orgasm in the morning wake what my body up but what a way to start the day. This is all before I've had a coffee. So this is the first thing that I'm doing. Um, and I'm just like watching the sunrise at the same time. So I'm just like in nature, like just letting my yoni just like feel like connected to nature. It's wow. which just feels so empowering and so good. So that's like the first thing that I'll do. So maybe spend like about half an hour doing that. Then I will do a breathwork, breathwork session. So um, breathwork is something that I only recently got into, like a couple of years, like have been doing it on my retreats. And I know it's something that you, Rick, feel really passionate about as it's something that you are now venturing into. Um, so I'll do like a breathwork session for myself, which is like about 15 minutes. Then I'll go into a meditation. So like, I don't do guided meditations at the moment, just like completely listening to the sounds of nature. And I find that breathwork leads me into a really nice meditation. So I'll do that, then I'll do some journaling, then I'll read some of my book. 
Um, not the book that I'm writing, just a book that I'm reading to inspire me. And then I will do like a little workout, like 20 minute workout or some kind of yoga or some movement to get the body moving. And then I'm ready to go. So that's my morning practice. So I'm loving that so much right now. And, you know, I've, I've not been like, Rick is super disciplined. Like Rick, you have like, you've had a morning practice, like literally since I met you, like since I met you, you've been like everyday meditation, journaling, um, you know, now it's breath work and meditation and journaling and you never waver on that. I've been a lot more like ebbs and flows and I'll go through phases of doing nothing. And then I'll do go through phases of doing like this whole routine. And then I'll go through phases of just like waking up and being on my phone. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like, let's not do this anymore. So yeah, this is my new morning practice. I love it. And I'm, maybe it'll stay that big. Maybe it'll get shorter. I don't know. At the moment, I'm loving getting up that early to see the sunrise. So yeah, your energy the last few days has been amazing. You've been like, I wake up to you at, you know, like, 8.30 and you are alive and <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, and you're like moly. And I'm moly because I've was i been woken up. <laughs> my, my sleep's been woken up at 6 o'clock. Oh, I'm trying to sneak out. I I'm know, trying to be like... Loud sneaker. No. <laughs> I'll try and work on my uh, getting out of bed really quietly. Yeah, you will. <laughs> okay, so what... She's playing footsie with me under the table right now. <laughs> Whilst I ask this question, what turns you on? Oh, you know what turns me on. I do know what turns me on. <laughs> but for the listeners, hmm. what turns you on? You know, this can sound really corny, but I'm going to try and describe that feeling mm. when we have like the heart horny feeling. Heart on, we call uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> we have we call it a heart on because it's like we get horny in our hearts as well as in our genitals and so what really turns me on is when I feel like I'm really being able to show up for you and support you and be in devotion to you. That like, that turns me all the way on in my heart and in my pussy. Oh my God, it just comes online, on fire. So like feeling that love and deep connection. And we also feel that when we talk about our future together and yeah, for me, it's like showing up for you, my man. Like when I got to do the photos at your breathwork, session the other day I got to take the pictures I don't know it just it just it turned me on not in like a sexual way but just in like a it just filled my heart with like oh my god and then that does turn me on so yeah just like being able to give back to you turns me on I love our hard on moments yeah I'm trying to think of like other other um times when we have heart on moments it seems it seems to be like sporadic it's it'll be, we'll just it'll just be like a random moment of connection yeah we'll feel people we'll feel we'll be talking about something it might be about the future it might be about what we're creating there's something that we talk about yeah. and our like, bodies get yeah turned on at the same time i feel it deeply when i feel like i'm giving to you or supporting you and like in devotion and i also feel it when we talk about our future family mm. and yeah, i feel it then too yeah 
Oh, all the feels. I could. I was going to just say something like, you know, deep conversations, which also is a turn on, but, you know, we all know that. I'm pretty sure that's what I said on my episode. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> is it? I think we'll, we'll, we'll put it in here. No. <laughs> deep conversations are also obviously a turn on. It goes without saying. Okay. <laughs> okay. You can cut that out if you want. Oh, you're cutting most of this out, sure. <laughs> what, yeah, I wanted to know, this isn't normally the question, but I wanted to know what was the most magical experience that you can recall in your life? Oh the most magical experience. Like what experience have you had that when you tune into magic, you're just like, yes. I don't know what this answer is for you, so I'm, I'm about to answer. Oh my God. So, so many times. It's hard to come up with like one that's like the most. So if you were to trust it, if you were to tune in now. Yeah, so the thing that's coming up for me is quite a recent thing, which was here in Tulum, where we were supposed to be in a Temezcal on a Monday night. We showed up, couldn't get in, it was full. So we ended up just having dinner but it was the night of the full moon. And after dinner, we walked along the beach. It was like 10 o'clock at night. The beach was lit up by the full moon. And we were just walking back to the car. We were just like, let's, let's walk along the beach back to the car, which we would never have been doing if we'd have been where we were supposed to be that evening in the Temescal. So, which is a sweat lodge for anyone wondering. So um, we were walking along this beach and we were with our friends, Ali, Alex and Jake. And, um, then we see this huge, huge turtle walking down into the ocean. And I mean, I love turtles so much. Every, anytime I'm ever get, getting to swim with turtles, I'll be around turtles. Right? We're like, talking like a couple of yeah. meters, like massive, the biggest turtle you can imagine. But I think I just want to say, like, context. I have a thing with turtles. I'm just obsessed with turtles. I just love them so much. I just think they're so cute and so beautiful and I just love them so much. And so for me, like just being around that animal is, that is magic on a whole nother level. So to see it that close, like going into the ocean after it had been laying its eggs, wow. So we kept walking down the beach and we kept seeing all of these gigantic turtles literally come out of the ocean and onto the sand, like scurry around and like bury and dig and, and bury, like, you know, find a nest to, to lay their eggs and sit there and lay their eggs for like an hour and then go back into the ocean. Like literally this only happens the night of the full moon. The full moon is when mama turtles are laying their eggs. Oh my God, how magic. So literally we're just walking down the beach and like oh my god how many was it like it's 10 over, 15 yeah, massive mama turtles coming in and laying the eggs and we were just so close to them we were just watching them and there was the moon and it was just it was emotional it was so magic and that was when i was just like nature is just the most incredible manifestation of god the most the most oh just nature has just so much beauty it's like it, you can't even wrap your human mind around how perfect nature is. Like, like, oh, just all of it, all of it, but it's particularly that moment 
I'd also say another magical moment recently was free diving and going like under the mangroves and in the cenotes and like like just getting to like really swim to like the depths. Oh my God, again, nature, unbelievable. We think we know what beauty is. We have seen nothing unless we're really like really looking at nature, like the perfection of a rosebud, the perfection of a piece of fruit that's just like, like cut open a kiwi. Who designed that? How is that so perfect? You know what I mean? This is like pure nature. This is like pure magic to me. Of which we are. Of which we are. Yes, exactly. We forget that. Yeah. So that, yeah, that turtle memory was for sure the one that came up strong. But to be honest, any experience where I felt connected to spirit, connected to nature, which is connection to spirit, um, you know, yeah, just any moment where I felt like there's magic at play. Things are things are happening that we do not understand and we don't have to understand. We just have to be with it. I love this about you. I love, I love how it's like you get in nature. Especially around turtles. It's, uh, oh my god! And when you when you came up from the when we went free down the other day, when, you, when your head would pop up <laughs> and you would just be like grinning, you would look like a little turtle. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, how amazing was that memory when we were in the Maldives and you saw a turtle and I really wanted to swim with a turtle. I hadn't swam with a turtle before. This was the first time. Rick saw a turtle like over the bridge, like yeah. in the ocean, and he was like, "Mel." quick right and I was like I was like about 100 meters away and he was like quick come like she ran towards him like grabbed the goggles grabbed, grabbed the, the GoPro and the flippers jumped into the ocean and like swam after this turtle like as fast like as I could and got to like swim with it and it was just beautiful so anything regarding turtles is like up there for me beautiful <laughs> any last words anything you want to leave your listeners with what's can they check in with you? What's going on in your world now? Anything you hmm. want to leave the listeners with? Hmm. Got any exciting, have you got any exciting news? Anything that's coming up? Currently working on a new book. So that's what I'm kind of currently focused on. And uh, obviously giving to my amazing membership, The Goddess Collective, which we just filmed a little bit for today. Um, so that's like my membership for women that are on a personal and spiritual growth journey and I love creating the content from there we do so many different topics and so many different workshops and calls and just loads of stuff going on inside that community so yeah if you want to come hang out come and join us in that community or just come say hi on Instagram you know let me know if you liked this episode it's a bit different getting to hear my story but hopefully it's caught a lot of people up that are newish to my corner of the internet well, babe, it's been a pleasure to be in the this side of the seat and to rehear your story. Oh, so, you've heard it a million times. I have heard it. I have heard it a million times. But I learned some new. I learned some new stuff today. So, Did you? Yeah, it's been great connecting. Hmm. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and you might see me. You'll see me on an Instagram story near you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys like this, and yeah, DM us, share it. Thanks, Over babe. and out. Love you. Love you too. <laughs>
Oh, I hope you absolutely loved that episode. I hope it has inspired you to dream bigger and to create that vision for your future. As always, if you want to join us and go deeper, come and join us inside the community. We have an incredible group of women chasing their dreams on this soul mission in life. We have workshops in there. We have workbooks, coaching calls with me, and of course, extra bonus content from all of the podcast guests. So until next time, hit subscribe, share this episode if you loved it, connect with me online and yeah, I'll see you for another episode next week.